Well, hello everyone, it's Pastor Kevin here with the Biblical Perspective. It is Friday morning, July 3rd, and we're going into a holiday weekend. Very excited about the things that God is doing. Of course, we're meeting in the square tomorrow to pray uh, over our community, our state, our world, and to really be the, the, the church in the middle of our town. So I'm very excited about that. Hope all of you are planning to come out 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock prayer in the town square, and then we'll be eating uh, afterwards. The food will be free. There'll be a food truck there. All that's covered. So just come on out at 11 and be prepared to, to pray with your church. Um, today, I want to get back to something that we've been away from for a while, and that is the sequence of end times events. Um, and the outline that we had previously been talking about. And if you remember, I've covered already uh, four parts of that outline, and this will be number five. Remember, the first one was that Israel needed to be established. We talked about the importance of having Israel as a foundation for end times events. You can't have an end time scenario without Israel being in place, which is amazing. But remember that now that they're in place and all of the things that Jesus has told us about, like the second part of this was signs will increase the birth pains, which we've talked about as well. Wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes and, and famines and pestilences in various places all increasing. And we are the only generation of the church that has seen all of those things. Remember, the church is not even 2000 years old yet. We are 1980 years old, roughly. And the church will be 2000 years in just the next decade or so. In less than 20 years, the church will be 2000 years old. So we're living in very exciting, exciting times um, as coming to the 2000 year uh, anniversary of the church, probably in, in, uh, in, in 2033 or so. Not only that, but the only generation of the church who have seen all of these things come into place. Very exciting. Uh, remember, the third part of that outline was that there would be a falling away or an apostasy, apostasia in the Greek, only used twice in the New Testament, both referring to a defection of that which uh, uh, someone formerly believed in. These are some of the things that are going to come next. In fact, Jesus told us that what we need to look for next is both um, persecution, apostasy, um, more false teachings and deception, and that lawlessness will abound and the love of many will begin to grow cold. So these are the things that we're going to see increasing now in the times that we live in. Um, the fourth part of the outline, which we talked about last time, was the Holy Spirit removed or the rapture of the church. So we talked about that in the last biblical perspective as far as the outline is concerned. But today we're going to talk about the Antichrist being revealed. Number five, the Antichrist being revealed is what we're going to focus on for the next few minutes and I want you to understand my vision for our church in the times we live in, in case we're never, we're at some point not able to meet again, is discipleship, that we all grow in the Lord and learn how to get before him in prayer and with this word and feast upon it and hear his voice um, and then find people we can fellowship with so that we are learning to walk this faith out together. I do not want a church that's always relying on coming on Sunday morning to be fed, but that you're being fed daily. And when you come into the church, we are celebrating the things that God is doing in our life. That's what I want to encourage you with this morning. So please develop a habit of reading and develop a habit of getting before the Lord so that you can grow and be fully mature. But with all of that said, let's get into the word. So the Antichrist being revealed, and I want you to remember that 
this is the most important thing that most likely the, the, the people who are a part of the church now in this age, who are walking with the Lord, born again, filled with his spirit, the scriptures tend to indicate for us that we will not be here on earth when he is actually revealed. And so we want to be careful in how we look for him uh, to make sure that we're actually just looking for Jesus Christ, not necessarily Antichrist. And just to jump ahead a little bit, we know John tells us in 1 John, in fact, let me read it for you so that you can know exactly where to find it. Turn with me into 1 John chapter 3 roughly. If you're at home, pause the video and let me read this to you. You need to see this. So in 1 John, I cut my hand so I can't use my thumbs. That's what's bothering me. Okay, 1 John chapter 2 verse 18 says, Little children, it is the last hour and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which you know it is the last hour. So as I always remind you, that spirit of Antichrist has been in the world, the Bible tells us that, throughout the age, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And so uh, it's very important that we realize that trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, is, is futile. We're wasting our time if we're doing that. One of the people who was led by spirit of Antichrist is Hitler in the, in the uh, Nazi regime within Germany. There's a very interesting thing about Hitler that most people don't know. Hitler was an absolute failure at everything he did before all of a sudden supernaturally rising to power. And when he rose to power, he could speak and literally there was a supernatural um, move through the crowd where people would be captivated by his words and the masses would just almost come under sway of whatever he was saying because he was being puppeted, if you will, by Satan. But prior to that, you would have never known that he was going to have that kind of power because he was a failure. And what I'm saying by that is Antichrist could be on the earth today and he would look like absolutely maybe nothing to us. We might not even fully understand how he's being used until the time comes for him to rise to power and be revealed. And that can happen very quickly, actually. So let's talk about, first of all, where Antichrist will come from. Daniel chapter nine on your screen, verse 26 through 27. It says, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, speaking of his crucifixion, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with the flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be the one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. And so we see this in Daniel. Daniel is describing to us this prince who is to come, this antichrist figure. Uh, but he's given us an indication of where he's coming from because he says that the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And so what Daniel is doing is giving us some definite things within history that we can point to and gain understanding. The people who came into, the, uh, into Israel and destroyed the city and the sanctuary, the city being Jerusalem, the sanctuary being the temple, uh, is the Roman Empire, which invaded in A.D. 70. They already had control over Israel, but because Israel was constantly rebelling against Roman rule, Rome went in in A.D. 70 and surrounded the city, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple. And only the people who took heed to Jesus' voice in Luke chapter 21 
when they saw the armies coming, they fled the city, those born again Jews, and they were spared. But millions of Jews, hundreds of thousands of them were killed. Millions of them were dispersed as uh, into all the nations where they were exiled, if you will, until almost 2000 years later, almost 2000, 1900 and something years later, God moved on them and fulfilled the prophecies of Ezekiel, causing the dry bones to, to live, if you will, bringing them back into their homeland. The Zionist movement, which started in the late 1800s, right up until World War I and II, as, and still is happening today as more Jews are arriving in Israel every year, claiming Israel to be their home. So that movement is the biggest part of the last days. But what this tells us is that Antichrist will be of that same group of people which come out of this Roman Empire. Now, to understand what that is, we kind of got to ask the question, you know, well, what really is Rome? If the prince is going to come from that same people, the Roman Empire, then what really is Rome? And I think a lot of times we get confused with what the Roman Empire is and what a revised Roman Empire in the last days may look like. Remember, Daniel gave us in the early chapters this image of a, of a figure which had a head of gold and it went down, of course, uh, and, and, it, and it describes all of world history from that point until the end. That final empire, those legs of iron would be a very strong empire representing Rome. So it went from Babylon to the Persian Empire to the Grecian Empire and to then finally the Roman Empire. And in the last days, the Roman Empire would be partly iron, partly clay. The feet and toes would be partly iron, partly clay. Um, and it, it was during the time of those final kings, those 10 kings, when something like a mountain would come, which is Jesus's kingdom and would destroy that. We understand that. But what truly is Rome? Well, I think that Rome is, is two things. One, from a political standpoint, Rome simply represents the final global empire that will control the masses of the world. It will have with it a religious system which is also something that we can recognize throughout time. In fact, uh, in the book of Zechariah, you can read it in your own time, not on the screen, but Zechariah chapter 5, verses 5 through 11, God shows Zechariah the prophet a picture of, of wickedness and says this is their resemblance throughout the earth. And it takes uh, the, the angels, these two, excuse me, these two women like storks are taking this picture of, of wickedness to the plains of Shinar, to put it on its base. And what we know of the plains of Shinar is that's where the first global empire began with a guy named Nimrod who built both Babel and Nineveh and began to reign from there. Uh, Babel is where the Tower of Babel came from and where the Babylonia or the Babylonian theology, if you will, was created. And so Nimrod ruled there and he had a mother, uh, Semiramis, and, uh, and, and, or uh uh, Ishtar, and it, which is called the Queen of Heaven. And you can track this Queen of Heaven, this false religious system. You can track it through Assyria um, with Astrid, and you can, and as the Queen of Heaven, Egypt as well, um, as it had Pharaoh, this leading uh, figure with Isis, the Queen of Heaven, which is the love, sex, and fertility godless there. You can track it through Cana, uh, Canaan, excuse me, as they had Baal worship and Ashtaroth, the queen of heaven was there and she was the fertility godless. The Philistines had a version of this, the, the fish god uh, and, and, and with Dagon. Uh, in India, there's I-C-I-S-I. -I -S 
I, Queen of Heaven as well. Even in China, there's the Shangmu, Queen of Heaven goddess. Um, in Greece, you have the same thing uh, with the Queen of Heaven, the Mother Goddess, if you will. You can track all of this stuff down. Even within the Roman Empire itself, with Caesar worship and Venus, the, the love goddess and her offspring, Jupiter or Cupid. You have this religious system that left Babel and has gone with every global empire that there was. Just like today, you have the Roman Catholic Church and you have Queen of Heaven in their eyes, which is Mary. And I've seen this firsthand as I've been into South America and I've seen the shrines to Mary that people worship, not even realizing that they're worshiping at that point a, a false deity because there's one name under heaven by which men must be saved. And that is the name and the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for us all. And so this false religious system and this global empire go hand in hand, just like in the book of Revelation, you see Antichrist who leads the false global system and you see the false prophet, which leads the false religious system of Babylon, which go hand in hand in the last days. So then what is Rome is the question. Rome represents as the revived Roman Empire represents the final global empire that will be upon the earth. And so when we look at it that way, now we can understand while the whole earth right now in a supernatural way being led by Satan is moving to a global government. This is what everybody is working towards, uh, whether it be the World Health Organization or the World Economic Forum or many other organizations, including the UN, that are coming together in these last days to promote and push towards a global system. Now, one of the things that is going to be uh, a key to identifying this system is the fact that the Antichrist will uh, uh, and his government will be surrounded by deception. Deception will be the, the, main, uh, the main dish, if you will, of the day in their system. And we see it in Daniel chapter 8 on your screen. In Daniel chapter 8, we learn this and it says, And as for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. And in the latter time, okay, because this is a far nil, uh, this prophecy has a far fulfillment, excuse me, a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes is the, is the near fulfillment as the, the Grecian uh, empire was broken up into four, uh, as we know, going into the Roman empire. But there's far fulfillment in Antichrist. Let's continue to read. It says in verse 23 of Daniel chapter eight, it says, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, because remember, God judges society based upon morality. So when this immorality comes to full uh, to the fullness and full maturity, a king shall arise having fierce features who understand sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive, and he shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. In other words, this last king will have a lot of power, but it will not be of himself. It will be under the direction of Satan himself, and he shall destroy many. We see that in the tribulation period. And it says in verse 25, and through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their Prosperity, uh, prosperity, he shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. And what this means is that deceit will prosper under the Antichrist rule. 
and Jesus will return and actually destroy him. And so Daniel tells us this as well as Paul. And so what we need to understand is deception surrounds the final global government and the religious system that is tied in with it. Now, the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And those who fear him, those who meditate on his word, shall understand and be able to tell the difference between good and evil. So how you take the deceptive blinders off is simple. You get into the word of God and you spend time with him and he will in his word and he will wash your mind and give you clarity and discernment. And you'll be able to clearly see the things that are going on in the world around you for what it is. But only if you're spending time in God's word, can you be able to to truly see that for what it is. So deception will be the mark of his rule. And the final point I want to make today about the coming of the Antichrist is that he will be revealed, as I told you earlier, when the church is removed. And we see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at the screen with me. And I'll read the whole thing and then make some comments. But verse 5 through 12 says this. Do, not, uh, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lion wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they do not receive the love of the truth they, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure notice in unrighteousness. Let me make a few comments on that uh, as we close. The first thing I want to remind you is, as I read that, Paul says, do you not remember when I was still with you, I taught you these things? That was in verse five there. Paul reminded the church in Thessalonica that when he was with them, he taught them all of these things. And if you remember, Paul was only in Thessalonica for three weeks in the book of Acts. And for the three weeks he was there with them, he taught them, not only he gave them the gospel but after those who got saved, um, after they were born again, Paul set them down and took them through scripture to give them all of the counsel of God's word. And he made sure that they would understand God's plan for the end as well, because end times teaching is extremely important, even to the new believer, because it gives us a balance of reality and hope biblically. So that's the first thing I want to point out. And then he told him, that there was a restraining force in the world in this age, which is preventing the Antichrist from being revealed. Remember, spirit of Antichrist has always been in the world. That means Satan always has a, a, a figure, one or two or more that he can work within uh, throughout the age. But he's been unable to successfully bring his Antichrist to power because the he who restrains is still in the world. The he who restrains, as we learned last time, is the Holy Spirit working within the church. And that's why we believe that when the rapture of the church occurs, when the restraining force he talks about will be taken away in verse um, seven of this same chapter, second Thessalonians chapter two, when he who is uh, who restrains, uh, it says, and now, you know, who restrains and, 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 and it says, and when he is taken out of the way, then the lawless one will be revealed. So when the church is removed and when the Holy Spirit in the church is removed from the earth, then Antichrist will be revealed and not until then. 
So if you're looking for him, you're not going to figure out who he is. You need to remember that. But the best part of this was in verse eight. And it says, and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Paul says, here's what we need to know. We won't be here when he's revealed. He will be revealed once we leave. But the good news is when the Lord Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation, at the end of that seven year period, he will literally destroy him with the breath of his mouth and the brightness of his coming. The Lord will simply speak and destroy the Antichrist, his whole army. Um, and, and they will go into the lake of fire at that point. But the other thing that you need to take note in that scripture is that those who refuse to receive the love of the truth now will receive a strong delusion as they go into the tribulation period so that they will be condemned because they took pleasure in unrighteousness. And so I think the biggest part of all of this that we need to take note to today is this. As we preach the gospel being uh, born again believers in the church age, remember that we have a ministry, according to Second, Th Th uh, Second Corinthians chapter five, we have a ministry of reconciliation given to us as believers. We are new creations. God is in us pleading with the world to be reconciled to him. So as often as you're sharing the gospel, as often as you're sharing with your coworkers, your neighbors, your, your loved ones, people that you know who are either not, that do not believe in Jesus Christ or are not walking with Jesus Christ and bearing no fruit, and you're telling them about Jesus because they refuse to receive the love of the truth, now a strong delusion is coming. And so you need to warn them not to take pleasure in and because here's what a lot of people say. They say, well, if everything you're saying is true, well, I'll get right when, the, when, when I see it happen and I go in the tribulation begins. The truth is a lot of people will get saved during the tribulation, but there's going to be so much deception that many will not and they will perish. And if you're a believer now in this age, with everything we see going on in the world now, it's time for us to be uh, very, uh, have a sense of urgency and be very serious about giving the gospel truth as many ways and uh, as we can and taking advantage of every opportunity that we can to speak to people and to urge them to turn to the Lord now uh, and to just be very real about it. I want to encourage you, you have the ministry of reconciliation. Don't go out the house without asking the Lord to be with you and give you opportunities to share your faith with people who may be wondering uh, why you're not fearful of what you see in the world and why you have a sense of peace and uh, why you are even excited about uh, the return of the Lord. Uh, take advantage of those opportunities where you can. I want to encourage you to, to, to take advantage of the fact that God wants to work with you to help you reach people. Hey, I'm out of time for today. When we come back together next time, we'll continue to finish up this outline, looking at some wonderful things to come. We're going to look at first the tribulation period, number six. And then the seventh part of the outline will be eternity, the kingdom, the millennium, which I can't wait to talk to you about that. Hey, God bless you, and this is The Biblical Perspective.